Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast exists because we want you to win. And you're going to need leverage to get ahead. It's going to take more than just your talent. You're going to need to come in with some business and and you need to come in with some cash flow. As a matter of fact, that's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. What is leverage, you ask? It's a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. We want to help you gain the strategic advantage and the power to make stuff happen. I want to introduce you to my co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and not only that, he actually connects you to the pros. And you can find Brent really easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns the Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound, and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves so you can get paid. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening, brother? We got a lot of people looking at us. We're live at the Clown Conference. Hey, Are you having a blast? This is scary. So we (laughs) normally do these like I'm in my office at my house with no one around and you're at your office. Maybe in his underwear. We don't know. We we don't know. We don't know. And then we took it up a notch. We got like, oh, we're actually in the room together. Like done that like three times. And now we're in the room with like 50 something other people. And that's just rock stars. They're rock stars up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah. So let's talk about what the episode's going to be, and then we'll do a little bit of business, okay? All so right. drop it so, on us, man. Th- by request, you know, we're talking about what would be a good um, what would be a good episode for this particular event, right? We want to keep our audience in mind, right? As writers, as artists, we want to think about the listener, right? And so since we're going to be in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah, a lot of people want to make it as artists, want to make it as songwriters. How do you make it from a distance? How do you make it not living in New York L.A., Nashville, one of the major music centers. So that's what we'll be talking about today, how to make it in music from a distance. That's right. So before we do that, a couple of major announcements. Number one, huge milestone that we saved announcing because we want to share with you guys live. We just eclipsed 100,000 downloads on this podcast. So thank you guys very much for that. So thank you for everyone that's listening now, that's listening in the future, everyone that Help make that happen because that's just kind of weird. That's cool. So, yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. So very and we've thankful. Got some Thank you. Sponsors that help put this whole climb conference together. And and shout out if you've been a recipient of our sponsors' love and benevolence. We want to thank Rode microphones. Anybody get a free one out there? This is a killer Australian company. Great microphones. They. Do background recording tours for Kelly Clarkson, Justin Timberlake, Rihanna. I think that's about all you need to know, right? Pro as you can get. Great microphones. We want to thank Rode for helping us out with that. And then a brand new guitar company to me. I just got introduced to them, and and we still have this one to give away, but Teton Guitars. So let's hear it for Teton. (laughs) 
Thank you very much. And if you are in Utah or online, check out So Delicious and Booth Brothers Music, who also help put this whole thing together and make sure we all had this kind of fun and we're able to bring this kind of talent into uh, Utah. And last but not least, let's give a big mm. thank to Mindy Pack mm-hmm. and Woo! Chelsea Stallings for going through all this work, you guys. Really, really good job. We want to thank Shelby Kennedy and we want to thank Chris Oglesby for, uh, for daring to come with us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Gentlemen, I've, I've been, I have learned from hanging out with you from this weekend. It's been an honor for me and a pleasure for me. So thank you so much for, for making that happen. Yes. And raising the IQ in the room tremendously when the four of us are in the room. So that's thank right. you guys oh, and, so much. By the way, so if you like this kind of stuff, if this, is, if this is working for you, please share it with other people. Let them know about the podcast. If you like it, could help a fellow songwriter, a fellow singer, a fellow artist. Um, leave a rating and review. It makes us look legit for everybody else that are just maybe thinking about putting their toe in the water. Uh, we, it, you know, they're going to look and five-star review be nice if you want to, but just be authentic and be honest with however you feel about it. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It'll come into your uh, podcast player magically every Tuesday, so you don't have to worry about the marketing. We'll just be directly connected. Mm-hmm. And, and every Friday as well. And every Friday. With and the also we have the Climb community. So if you're on Facebook, one or two of you might be on Facebook. We have a, a, a Facebook group there, the Climb community. You can. Uh, it's a private group, but you just request to be let in. We'll let you in. If you're bad boys and girls, we will roadhouse you. We will roadhouse you. <laughs> so uh, it, it is a nice place. Play nice in the sandbox with others, but it's a place where you know you can connect with me and Johnny and get other information. Other people there willing to help each other out. Just a, it's a nice little community and growing. And so definitely check out the Climb community. Yeah, I mean, any questions you have, like it's amazing. What I like about the Climb community is the support that the community gives to other people. Hey, I tried this. I tried that on Facebook. Try this on on Twitter. Twitter and you can get some real answers in real time. People are there to, to help out. So we want you to win, right? That's right. So how's somebody going to make it happen up here in Utah as a writer? You can't. Okay, now for the Q&A. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shortest episode. What? New record. No, okay. So you might think just because you, you live in Utah or Arizona or some other place way outside Nashville, New York, or L.A., you have family, you're not able to move, that kind of thing that you may think is just out of reach and not going to happen. And I want to tell you my story, okay, because hopefully my story will give you some hope. Um, So I'm from Arkansas, so, you know, about uh, right country music. So I'm about 300, grew up about 330 miles away from from Nashville, from the mecca, the place I wanted to go to. And didn't start making trips until 1997. But... uh, Basically, what my story was, I got, I went to, you know, went to college, went to grad school, got out, started working in Little Rock, put, looked for a job in Nashville, looked for a job in Little Rock, Little Rock's where the job came open, so that's where I went. I worked to work at all tele, telecommunications company. I was in the cubicle ant farm, you know, the khaki jungle, <laughs> prairie dog in it, popping up, exactly. Popping huh? What? Who, Is it, who just okay. came into the office? Do I get a bathroom break now? Thank you. Unplug for my phone. You know, go in. It's like a call center thing. So, I was doing that after grad school for a couple of years, but I was, I was trying to get. I had like one co-writer, you know, from my hometown, a baseball guy named Tim Meitzen. And, you know, we wrote, you know, through my college years and other places and stuff. We're just trying to make something happen. And, and he had the same dreams. He wanted to be an artist and I want to be the writer. So we worked together on stuff. And he ended up moving down to Little Rock and, and just trying to get into what little music scene there was in Little Rock at the time. Maybe it's better now, but there wasn't much then. And so, and this is going to seem like a string of random events but you looking back you go oh there's kind of a line there but so tim ended up moving out little rock i was in little rock and you know he'd play out some different places 
And one day I was down by the down by the river, you know, district, and saw that there's gonna be an open mic like a songwriters night. I was like, "What here in Little Rock?" Okay, so it was at Stars Guitar. So I I have signed my buddy Tim up because I don't sing. Actually, I sing, but I sing like a horse. So that was my job is to hook him up. We thank you for not singing. You're welcome. Was it a van down by the river? In a van, right? Exactly. I was like, by the river, that sounds shady. In the district with the bar and the stuff. Anyway, so uh, sign him up. So Tim went to the, you know, played some of our songs at the open mic thing. There's some guys there that were starting a publishing company out of Little Rock, but they were, you know, aiming at country music and stuff. And they dug what they heard that night. So we, we got in with them. Uh, I remember they gave me a, a CD of some songs by a local girl that from Conway named Erin Enderlin, who at the time was now she was at college at MTSU. I was already out of college working, but that's where I first heard her name and, you know, listened to that stuff. And they told me a little bit about her. They kind of knew of her anyway, and wrote with the few people I could find in Little Rock, tried to get into what kind of scene there was there. Well, one day I was looking at the, uh, at the Arkansas times, like the entertainment part of what was going to be happening in Little Rock that weekend. I saw, Oh, Aaron Enderlin's going to be playing at this little pizza place. Okay, cool. So I went to go see her. That name rung a bell because of those guys at the publishing company told me about her. So I'm going to go out and see her. She was home over spring break because she lives around Little Rock or did at the time. And so I went out and saw her, had my, this, you know, the CD that my buddy Tim and I had made, you know, where he was the artist and I wrote, co-wrote like 12 of the 13 songs with him and Said hi to Aaron and, that and gave the one it the that went triple plywood. That one did go triple plywood. Three hundred so units, dude. Uh, love it. Love that. And so, still got that on my wall. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I gave her the CD, and and she she knew of me a little bit because she'd been to some gig that Tim had played around Little Rock. She's like, oh yeah, I know you know I know who you are a little bit. And anyway, she went back to to MTSU outside of Nashville, but you know we we had connected. So the next time she was in over summer break, she and I started writing together. And so I was bringing her lyrics and stuff, and we were writing. She went back to MTSU. She came back over Christmas, and I had this lyric for a song called Monday Morning Church that I'd been working on for a couple of years, played it for some, you know, showed the lyric to some different people, and everybody, some people, just it just never clicked, never found a co-writer. So I, I'm like, this girl likes really sad country songs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this to her. And she was like, oh, that's sad. I like you. <laughs> you Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. So I want to point something out here. <clears throat> this whole story started... Because what happened? He he went to see this artist sing. He went to mm-hmm. see somebody play. He got on the scene a little bit. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of artists when I in the community, in the climb community, when they talk to me, and I'm having trouble because I live here and I live there. I mean, I, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people. You know, you got to get out. You got to see who's out there playing and find somebody that looks like they might be somebody to connect with because stuff mm-hmm. like this could happen. So... He was aware of what she was kind of up to for one reason. He went and saw her, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, because well, I won't dig into that more in a second, but, uh, you know, I showed her that lyric for Monday Morning Church. She dug it. She wrote a great melody for it and helped finish to polish out the lyric and everything. Took it back to Nashville with her. I ended up moving to Nashville. This was um, Christmas break of like 2001. All right, so she ended up going back to school. And I ended up moving to Nashville a couple months after that in March of 2002. But I did the song absolutely zero good after moving. All right. So what everything that happened would have happened if I was still in that, you know, cubicle ant farm in Little Rock. Uh, but she was working. She was working it. She worked that song because it was one of, you know, the songs that she really felt good about. She started working with a publisher, Jeff Carlton. And it was actually on her very, and he paid for a demo session. It was on her very first demo session, that song. 
and he loved it. And he played for Keith Stigall, who had on hold for some different artists for you know a few months. So this like it was my first hold. I had a hold. And I was like, this is amazing. And then eventually Keith played it for Alan Jackson, and Alan cut it, and it went top five. And I could have still been in that cubicle in Little Rock, mm-hmm. and would have had a top five hit, and I would have danced and quit. But anyway, um, you know that happened. Be- and there's some lessons in that story. Okay, and I was doing a lot of other stuff, not just those things. I didn't know what was going to lead to it. But uh, a couple of lessons about that. You know, I was growing where I was planted. That's where I was. I wanted to get to Nashville. I wasn't in the, in the spot to quite get there yet. You know, I got there as quick as I could. But I plugged in. I didn't wait and only look at Nashville. I was like, okay, what kind of music scene is there where I am? And I'm sure just from how many people are here, there's more music scene here than there was in Little Rock at the time, just based on you guys here. And so I leveraged what connections I had to what opportunities were there, meeting the few writers that I could find, the few artists I could find, keeping my antenna up. That's how I found out about Aaron in the first place was because I signed my buddy up to go play the open mic night because I don't even play. So I made him do it. Go, singer boy, do your thing. Play our songs, right? Don't mess up the words. And... You know, some people liked it, and that's, that started the snowball. That's why I ever heard about Aaron. Otherwise, it would have just been, there's some name playing at a pizza shop and whatever, you know. And then she'd heard about me a little bit because Tim had played somewhere else, and she'd heard some of those songs. Like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, a little bit who you are. And made the connection with someone that was from that area. So that's one thing to think about, too. If you're out of town, who from your area, you know, lives in one of those music centers or has, has made something happen, you can play that hometown card. I remember after I moved to Nashville, there's a guy named Lance Carpenter that uh, somehow got a hold of me, and he played the Arkansas and the Razorback card, and was like, hey, I'm from Arkansas, and I'm moving here, and you know, I'd just love to take you out for, you know, pay for your breakfast or something. And usually I don't have time to do that, but there was a mix of, it was the timing was right, I had some time then, and, you know, he played, the, he played the Arkansas, you know, the home state card on me because I have a soft spot for that. And so we, when we, you know, we had coffee, and he, he, just, he just played it well, so we made a connection. And, and he was really good at that, and he was making trips, and he wasn't moving yet. He was just trying to make trips, but he, he leveraged some home state, you know, connection. Although I'd never heard of him before, he didn't have anything going on, you know, he, he reached out to me, and, and he was doing that to other people too. And it worked for him because he's written a number one for Kelsey Ballerini, her first "Love Me Like You Mean It." So he was he was leveraging connections, helped him get a soft landing into Nashville. And so that's one thing you want to think about wherever you are. Okay, who is there anyone from this area that has made it that may be coming back? There's another guy that uh, the music minister at my church growing up at First Baptist. He is, his uh, son wrote. An Affair of the Heart for Rick Springfield. Really? And had a record deal on Chrysalis, I think, for a while, or with some <laughs> label, a guy named Danny Tate. And, you know, it had some cuts. It was in Nashville some. He ended up doing, like, a bunch of bumper music for Entertainment Tonight or whatever. And his dad was the minister of music at our church. So you'd see him in every once in a while. So I ended up leveraging that. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Because he'd see me out in the congregation because I'm tall. And so, you know, I was able to leverage that just to play some songs and make a connection and get some feedback on it and just trying to reach out to whatever I could growing where I was planted. And, you know, so you're doing a lot of stuff like basically right now. And I mean, W-R-I-T-E now. Don't wait till you're like, oh, one day when I can move to Nashville or New York or L.A. or whatever, then I'm really going to start getting after it. Because the stuff that has been my biggest success 
I laid the groundwork for that in Little Rock, Arkansas. You know, only making some trips to Nashville every now and again. And it wasn't those trips that directly led to that. Um, So that's a big lesson there is don't wait for like, I'm going to really get serious when I can get there because you're wasting all this time in the meantime. And so that's, you know, is anyone from here in the business or there, you know, I know there's a local NSAI chapter that uh, Chelsea runs and and maybe in your area climbers that are listening now, is, is there some sort of regional workshop we can meet other people that, you know, heck, they may move there. Even if you can't ever move to one of those places because your family situation or whatever, now you got people there because you made a connection. And if your writing is up to snuff and you got the goods and they move there, they might be working your songs. That's kind of how it was with me and Aaron. Like, I wasn't there yet, but she took a song and she was working it from, from her end for her benefit, not doing it for my, you know, yep. to do me a solid because it was one of her best songs. She was doing it for herself, but... And good she, things came my way too. It crushed it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to do the work, right? Like you've got to do, you, 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 you can't, I see too many artists hanging up on focusing on what they don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's a recipe for disaster in any part of your life, right? What do, if we keep thinking about what we don't have, then we're not really focusing on what we do have and what we can take advantage of. You've got time. You've got social media. There's an NSAI chapter in your town maybe. There's other writers in your town. There's local artists in your town. There's, um, I've, I've talked to people who are like, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I live in New York city and I'm just having a hard time finding a drummer. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like <laughs> you can't swing a dead cat around town, like a, a 5,000 population of 5,000 town and not hit 10 drummers. You know what I mean? I went through a bunch of them coming up and trying to do that, but we found the group, we got together and we worked and we worked and we worked and we rehearsed and we rehearsed and we were interested in being better. We are interested in pursuing excellence. If you just focus on that and mind your marketing and mind your getting out and making the connections, the stuff will come. The stuff will come your way. I don't don't know how to explain it, but it happens. Mountains will move, literally. And you'll – all that work will pay off, but you can't be looking for the – the payback, right? You can't mm. be looking for the for the reciprocity. You can't be looking for the immediate altruism. You know, a job is immediate altruism. You go to work, you give them 40 hours of your life, which is the most precious commodity that you have to give, and they give you a paycheck immediately in return. This artist stuff, it takes a while. You've got to get good, and you everybody's got to get better. And <clears throat> when we were doing it from Delavan, we rehearsed all the time, kept trying to get better and better. I told this story in my breakout classes. We're just trying to get in that one club in Milwaukee. That's uh, that was our goal, and that turned into just rocket launches up into the this whole killer music scene in in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And then that made us believe, like, woo, we could be professional and do this because we went on tour. I was like, now I'm a real artist, mm-hmm. right? Because you have that moment. But that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been pounding the door down of that club trying to get in. It wouldn't have happened if we just didn't believe we could be better and wanted to continue to work at it. So work mm. at your writing, work at you know at your singing. Yeah. Get. I mean, opportunity is attracted to activity. Yes. You know, so it's like if you never, you and your songs never leave your mama's, you know, basement. You're not going to get that publisher meeting. And obviously, the people sitting here, you're doing something. You're getting out, right? But another thing that was important for me was, like, Aaron was, you know, so this is the context of Monday morning church, which was kind of my big break. 
Erin was like ahead of me. She was younger than me. She was ahead of me. She didn't have any cuts yet, but she was she was in the Nashville area and she was starting to make some you know connections to publishers and stuff. So that in that sense, she was ahead of me. But also, like if I'd known that you know Monday Morning Church was like a hit lyric, I didn't know that. I thought it was one of my cool ones. That's why I was shopping it around. But I didn't know. If I'd known that, I might have been tempted to go, okay, I'm hanging on to this till I get to Nashville, and I'm going to find Steve Seskin, or I'm going to find <laughs> one of these you know, great hit writers, and I'm going to hang on to this, and I'm going to pounce on them with it. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not going to show it to this girl who's you know, still in college and hadn't had any Just cuts Just a yet. pizza I'm, shop. Yeah. You know, no, this is a hit lyric. Well, for one thing, thankfully, I didn't know that, so I wasn't tempted for that. Um, but the other, so that the lesson is don't neglect your peer group, right? Because Aaron was a hit songwriter. She just hadn't had the hit yet. Turned out she was supposed to have that with me, right? And she didn't neglect me either. I mean, true. She probably just wrote with me because when she was home over summer break, there was no one else to write with, but Hey, there was something that made me a category of one. And you showed up and I showed the heck up. So, uh, and so in a way that you probably worked to my advantage, I might not have ever written with her if I'd been in Nashville with everyone else, but she came home to. Arkansas, and there was, I was a category of one. Like, who else are you going to write with? I'm the only game in town, right? So I guess in the sense that worked. I had her undivided attention for like a summer. Um, but don't neglect your peer group. Don't neglect the people that are sitting with you. I'm like, the people that are here at the CLIMB conference, you know, this is your peer group. Maybe, the, you know, you're all under the, kind of maybe under the radar. I don't know where everyone is career-wise, but um, you don't neglect this. If you have those great song ideas, don't be scared to share those with people and to collaborate with each other because you're waiting for the big score that because you may just be the hit artist you may just be the hit writer and you just haven't happened yet but you're supposed to happen together and so that's a big thing like bring your best to every co-write to every opportunity to every show because one thing when you keep bumping up against your best your best gets better and that's a big thing your best work bring, brings your best opportunities you know if i just said well i'm just going to bring my B drawer stuff to to Aaron, and I'm going to hang on to this A stuff over here till I can get to Nashville and people that have cuts and have publishing deals. That song wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You take it to a different writer, it takes a different path, and you, who knows what would have happened? It probably wouldn't have been that. It probably wouldn't have been as good. And so I was bringing my best to the best opportunities I had, and that led to something. So bring your best. Don't neglect your peer group where you are. I think it's a big important lesson. Yeah, don't worry about failure. <clears throat> it works in your favor. You know, if you fail, you learn. That first tour that we went on, uh, we were gone for better part of a year. We came back, and I think I did the math one time. I think we made the equivalent. Of, we grossed the equivalent of like maybe three hundred fifty thousand dollars in that band over the course of that year, and the tour cost three hundred fifty-eight thousand. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, all of a sudden I would ride our truck like eight grand, and I'm like, what? You know, but what I learned, I learned the next time we did it when when the Omen Brothers brought us down to Florida, I, I knew how to manage that money. I knew where the potholes were. I didn't. I wasn't getting uh, overrun by the booking agent because I learned. He's like, how about fifteen percent? I'm like, we'll do it for ten. He's like, okay. That meant that was the difference between paying our rent every month and not paying our rent that one conversation but that conversation happened because it got beat up before because i failed before and i learned how to bow up and 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 do it in a professional way and and make it work you know i'll save you the suspense you're going to screw up i think a lot of people don't make moves because they're afraid of failing they're afraid of being being judged but that's where you find out where the bodies are buried Mm -hmm. you know and in from a remote place i think that's a big part of what keeps people remote and uh, if you're out there and you're on the scene, you're going to inevitably run into your what I call your class, your, your, your people that are at your level, your peer group, is, as Brent puts it. And, that's, and then and start getting in there. Start getting in there and start writing. Start finding art. If you're a songwriter that's looking for cuts, start finding some local artists around here and try to write with them. Get in with them. Do something for them. Send her flowers. You know, go, hey, I'll paint your fence, man, if you'll write a song with me. What can you do for that person to make that relationship happen? Um, and, and see how you can get in there and get, get a couple cuts just locally and get in that game a little bit. And then you'll be surprised. People start coming out of the woodwork. And because you, be, you start to become a player locally, you start to become a big fish in like a small pond, you know. And um, we, I had a couple conversations personally with some artists in, in one-on-ones here this weekend about, you know what, find the smallest club that you can get away with in your local town and market the fire out of it until people are standing outside and they can't get inside. That's how Jewel got signed, out of a coffee shop. With the, the DJ just kept saying, I can't believe there's so many people that can't get in this coffee shop to hear this girl sing. What's going on in there? The record label's heard about it, came down, showed up, she got a deal. You know, it, it's, it's about creating that perception, but if you can't do it in your local town, then you really can't do it anywhere else. That, that's not going to change, you know. So you can make it happen and get all your chops down and your, your networking and, your, um, and, and some of that railroad track that you just need to have in place so that you're prepared to take advantage of an opportunity when it comes along. I mean, I, Brent and I talk about this all the time. I'm a big proponent of we make our own luck. The harder I work, the luckier I get, you know. There it is. And so... 
I'm not thinking about what I don't have. I'm thinking about what, what's my next step right now? What's my next step? What can I do? How can I add value to my community? How can I, how can I take my artists to another level? What's a new creative way we can come up with this? And that kind of energy breeds attraction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we get cooler deals. And we get to do stuff like this. You know, I've had a couple of people come up, hey, man, I need to talk to you later. I might have something for you. And like, wow, awesome. What, what an honor, you know? But it's... It, the same attitude is going to work in your town of 450 people, you know, as it is going to work in Nashville or New York or L.A. So my suggestion is focus on becoming the, the coolest freaking thing that's happening in your town. And you be the most famous person in that town. And then the next steps that are starting to happen, you're going to be prepared for when it's time to move up, when it's time to move on. If we hadn't done all that rehearsing, if we hadn't done that tour, we wouldn't have been prepared for the opportunity from the Allman Brothers. If we hadn't done all that rehearsing just in Mike Ansovic's basement, we wouldn't have been prepared to go to Minneapolis. We wouldn't have blown that band away, that one moment. One set, one 30-minute set, and they're like, you guys are great, and we're about to change your life. And I'm like, I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah, but, and on the writer side, if I had in which had a lyricist, so I don't write melody, I had like one main co-writer, my buddy Tim. I had way more lyrics than I knew he was ever going to put melodies to. Yep. But I was woodshedding. And if I hadn't put in those hours, chopped that wood, built those muscles, that when that line came empty as a Monday morning church, I wouldn't have been prepared to catch it and do something with it. Yeah, You know, I was building that muscle, doing those reps. So then when preparation met opportunity, met that idea, I, I was more prepared to do something with it than like, oh, you know, I got one guy and... I'll just write when he's ready to write or, you know, when I find a co-writer. No, I had like a binder full of lyrics that, why? Because I'm a writer. I can't wait on the availability of co-writers. I'm going out to try and find them, but my work is not dependent upon that. Yeah. And so I was, I was preparing that. And I think one thing that's important to a mindset shift based on your situation is think, what does this make possible? Mm, Right. Not, what does it make impossible? But what does this make possible? Okay, so I'm in Little Rock, you know, and I I want to write, you know, with like, like with Erin or something. Well, it's possible maybe I couldn't have gotten with her because, you know, in Nashville because I, I never would have met her or whatever. But I was, like I said, that was the only game in town probably, you know, for her when she was back home. What does that make possible? Well, I got more attention from someone that's, you know, going and working at Nashville. You know, just trying to think about your situation. What does it make possible? Maybe here... Yeah, I, I have a buddy that we both know that um, he's making a living in Louisiana, singing and songwriting and, and playing out, playing gigs, right? And he wants to move to Nashville and he's going to, but he's like, part of what's keeping me here is I make a living here. And it's really hard to make a living just playing gigs in Nashville, like at the bars and stuff, because there's so much competition, you know, supply and demand drives prices down. He's like, I'm making a living in Louisiana gigging. And so maybe that's something that makes possible because that's a lot harder in Nashville just to go out and play the local bar and make a living doing that. So maybe what it makes possible for you is to, I can do this full time or maybe I'm in an area with a lower cost of living than like a Nashville or New York for sure or LA. And so now I can, I can make a living doing music because I don't have to earn as much as if, if I go to Nashville. Like I can stay here and maybe I can do music full time so therefore I can just devote so much more time to it. And iterate and learn and and progress that much faster than if I move to a major music city and or to just another bigger area and then I got a day job and then I got down down to nights and weekends and stuff. If you're if you're here to think, what does this make possible? 
mm-hmm. and just be open minded to that and think with a, a mindset of possibility, not of impossibility. I think it's a big thing. That's it. There you go. High five. So um, now we want to go and, and sort of open up the floor, I think, to. Uh, yeah. Oh, one thing real quick. In, in today's market, because we, you know, I came to Nashville 2002. Things are very different now. So as a songwriter, what, what, what would I do if I were to attack it today from Arkansas, from Utah, from Missouri or whatever? Oh, right. Um, you know, you can invest in education and there's a lot of free education. The climb podcast is one, you know, songwriting pro, my website, daredevil production, the blog there. There's a lot of free stuff out there. Um, invest. Obviously you guys that are here, you invested in a conference. So you get to come, you get to meet, you know, Chris Oglesby and Shelby Kennedy, and you get to, you know, meet some pros and you get to meet your peer group and you're investing in education, getting some the real drove long distances and invested too to be here. Yeah, they, exactly. And so that's opportunity. Is there something coming within driving distance and online? My goodness, there's so many opportunities online that like I didn't have. Right. So there are so uh, there, you know, like songwriting pro, we do uh, a play for a publisher event. I mean, Chris has been a, a guest on it uh, a couple times before, and it's a chance for, I've had people from, Scotland, from Canada, from uh, from Utah, from other places, come in and be one of the guests, and 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 you know get a chance to play online from anywhere in the world with with a real legit music publisher, mm-hmm. and get get FaceTime because it's like video conference with them. Other places have those type of opportunities from where you are. That was not available to me. I was still sending in my cassette tape to NSAI to get feedback on it. Wait six weeks for it to come back. You have so many more opportunities now. Um, also, that, co-writers, people are—you don't have to write with just with the people in your area. Yes, on, on the online thing for the artist part too. Just social media. You know, you learned a lot about how to do social media the right way. You can do that from anywhere. You can do that from anywhere. A lot of our, our interns at, at Daredevil, after we teach them how to do what we want them to do and how we want them to do it. I don't mind if they work remotely. They, they don't have to be in the office to do it. Some of them come in because they just love to hang, but some of them do it from, from their dorm rooms or from their, from their apartments or whatever. It can be done, it can be done anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and co-writing, I mean, especially other people that are from out of a major music center, you can write online, Skype writing, Zoom, so many other ways that you can connect with people. You may connect with potential co-writers in the place like the Climb community on Facebook or Songwriting Pro on Facebook and or some of these online workshops or live workshops, conferences, and that sort of thing. You meet these people like, yeah, we're from different areas, but the world is so much more open to that than they ever used to be. Mm-hmm. Just because the possibilities there, especially if there's someone else that's also living outside of a major music center, they're going to be open to that because they're trying to connect. So you don't, you're not limited to just the people within your geographic area. That's right. And there are places to go and meet those people, you know, the cocktail party you talk about, you know, it's, it's there. You can meet those like-minded people with similar goals mm-hmm. and you can, and maybe one of them is in a major music city or maybe they move there or they know people just expanding your network. And if you do great work, it's going to open up more opportunities. They don't care where you're from. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what we do. want to go ahead and open mm-hmm. up to, to yeah, Q and a. So Brent's, by the way, has got a free book. Uh, think like a pro songwriter. If you want to get connected with him on Songwriting Pro, go to giftfrombrent.com, giftfrombrent.com. It's a free download. Just tell him where to send it. And uh, with me, I've got a, a killer little 
it's a graphic uh, PDF of the 21 biggest indie marketing indie artist marketing mistakes, and you can get that at giftfromjohnny.com. J O H N N Y giftfromjohnny.com. Download that, and then you'll be you'll you'll regularly be in our loop here, and we'll keep you in touch with what we got going on, and uh, you know all kinds of killer information that way. So we want to do a little live Q and A on the uh, on the next uh, what? Uh, we're going to take three questions. Oh, three, three questions. Three questions. And please come up to the mic and ask your questions. So, so who, who's, right. who's got a question? All right. Who's the first contestant? Who's the first victim? Kai. Yes, Kai. Come on up. <clears throat> Speak loudly into the moose. Okay. Hello. Um, this isn't really about being out of state, so I realize it's not really about this podcast. Yeah, you don't but sound like you're from Utah, so... No, no. I'm, I, I'm living in LA from Sydney, Australia. Uh, anyway, um, as a songwriter and a starting songwriter, a lot of people just say just start just writing every day and going, just writing all the time. But I've, I'm feeling like I should be... So, sorry, the question is, should I be doing that or should I be spending more time on individual songs and getting them as good as I can or should I just get stuff out so I can get better? Man, it, I think ultimately quality is king, right? I mean, ultimately you, you got to get the quality there. It doesn't matter how many songs you write if they're all just B level. you, you got to get to the AA plus level, right? Sometimes in the beginning – and there's no fast rule on this, right? There's no one answer for this. But in the beginning, I think quantity somewhat is, is at least queen, right? Going through and just doing doing the work and just applying backside to chair again and again and again, building that discipline of I write and I'm not – because the danger is going, I'm going to polish one song, one song, one song, is that you kind of get analysis paralysis. You just – you hang on to that one song and it's never done and you never move forward. And so as you're – hopefully not – you're not just writing, but you're also – educating yourself you know you're you're listening to the climb you're you're reading blogs and you're doing things to to learn and grow and so as you iterate as you write more and more songs you're applying those things to the next songs sometimes more easily than going back to those first songs and applying that to your older songs it's like your answers are ahead of you so you can apply it to the new ones so at the beginning uh so much of it is just about learning structure and learning kind of the basics and now, if there's something that in there that is that you're like, okay, there's really something special here. Like, I really, you know, because not all your songs are going to be, the, none of mine are, none of anybody's are all great, right? There's And so kind of learning to go, ah, oh, that one's, okay, I'm going to move on to the next one. But this one, this has something special to it. I'm going to pull it out in six months or something after I've grown some more and, and take another look at it. So there's no one answer to that. Um, but okay, in general, to add to that. yes, please. So, so two things. Number one is just remind you that uh, John and Paul from the Beatles have been quoted several times as saying, we got together and started writing songs and the first 50 were rubbish, you know, and then they started figuring out how to work with each other. The second thing is, and this I tell to my artists to help them sort of let go of, of some of their own maybe B songs I think Billy Joel has the best way of putting it. He says, I look at all, I love all my songs equally. They're like my children. I love them all, but some of them grow up to be uh, doctors, you know, doctors and, and lawyers. lawyers, and some of them grow up to be delinquents. Mm. You can and love you, them all. You can love them all, but just know what they are. <laughs> and, and you don't bring them all out to the same function. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, I mean, hope that helps. I mean, it's, you know, the, I think of the story of the basketball. I think Seth Godin talked about this on, on a podcast or yep. something. He's like, okay, so, you know, basketball, the basketball has been around for over 100 years, right? And so it's, at the beginning, it was more like this, this leather medicine ball kind of thing. And now we have this, like, this perfect, bouncy, grippy, perfect basketball for doing basketball things, right? right. Now, if the, because it got out into the market, their iterations, people used it. They got feedback. They kept improving. They kept improving. They kept improving until finally we got this beautiful little basketball, right? So if the guys that invented the basketball had been, we're going to keep this in the lab, and we're just going to keep improving and improving and improving and improving and improving it until 100 years from now we're going to come out with the basketball. We wouldn't have basketball. For one thing, there would be no NBA. There would be no college hoops. There wouldn't be any of that stuff, and it would be a terrible basketball because it wouldn't have gotten into the real world and gotten bounced around it and and had those iterations. And so part of that is with your songwriting. Go, I'm going to write songs. I'm going to get them out. And I'm going to learn, and I'm going to kick, get them kicked around. I'm going to apply that to my next songs, and I'm going to iterate, and I'm going to just that way. It's not just all held back, and no one's ever seen it. Yeah, I've never had anyone dislike one of my songs. Right. That means no one ever heard because it, it happens. There's songs on the radio that I know we all hate. Right. There's some song on the radio that's a hit that you hate. Okay, that stuff's going to happen. So we just need to get over it and realize sometimes it just may not be for certain people. You know, that's right. a very important thing to go. Eh, maybe that's not for you, and that's okay. Some people aren't going to like all it. Some of your songs, just you got to keep trucking. And so, um, yeah, I wouldn't sit on any one song too awful long. You just got to keep some forward momentum. If there's something like you think there's a diamond in there, hang on to it. You know, don't forget about it. Keep it in a separate stack so you can revisit it. But most of them aren't going to be that because most of them aren't that way for anybody. Thanks, Kai. Yeah, thanks, Kai. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else got a question? There we go. Uh Uh-oh. She warned us earlier. Don't get that one on a microphone. Okay. Uh, question. Yes. What are your, or do you have specific strategies for busting out of analysis paralysis? Like, are there things you do, or are you so used to not being stuck in that that you're just like, stop it, and you're fine? Like, how do I Yeah, how do you bust out of it? Um, I mean, sometimes it's... You know, like free writing, where, you know, it's the tyranny of the blank page. Like, you just look at this page and you go, okay, I'm going to write a lyric, so here's my first line, and it's going to be the line. Nothing. And, oh, that's a lot of pressure, you know. And so I'll, I usually work title first. I'll come up with the title. Then I'm trying to figure it out, like the song title challenge, try to figure out the best angle and stuff. And so sometimes it's just free writing on that uh, and just realizing everything's subject to change and, and you're free writing. So you're not worried about trying to write the line, trying to make it meter, trying to make it rhyme, trying to, I'm just discovering it. And so I'm getting words down. And uh, so I'm writing, even though I'm, I call it pre-writing, you know, there's pre-writing, writing, and rewriting, and they're all important. So I'd like to do more pre-writing. Sometimes it's getting together with a, a co-writer. And so there's that thing of we're in the room. So there's the, eventually we want to get to it. Um, but having someone to bounce that off of and someone to go that way was it, um, you know, by yourself, you go, that's good. And with someone else in there, you go, that's good. You know, but you can get that feedback and bounce off each other. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, part of it is, you know, setting down that time to write and just saying, I'm, I'm going to do this. But you want to be patient, right? You don't want to jump the gun too much. It used to be I'd jump right, first blush idea, I'd jump right into it. And so now I do more analysis than I've probably ever done on it. Um, and part of it is just doing it until you feel like something's right, until you feel like, oh, that's compelling. I, I want to go into that. And, but free writing can help you with that to discover kind of what your idea is about. Have you ever read the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? No. 
I recommend everybody get that book. Okay. Buy that book and buy a, a, a like a, a nice hardcover blank page journal because you're going to do a lot of writing. It's like a, I don't know, a 12 week or 16 week program or something. And you got to commit to a half hour writing a day, but it'll okay. teach you a lot of that stuff. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool for writers. Awesome. Yeah. It's called the artist's way by Julia Cameron. And it's funny. Sometimes the analysis paralysis, like you'll be writing most of the day with somebody and you got like a verse in the course and you spent like four hours on, it, you got 30 minutes left. And it's funny how that last verse will pop out in 30 minutes because you <laughs> oh. put yourself in a, you have a time limit. Yeah. And just like, okay, no more playing around. And some, and a lot of times it's good. Like, why did it take us so long to get that first verse in that first course? Because I had all day to do it. Now I don't have all day anymore. So sometimes it may be putting that constraint on yourself. Like, I don't have unlimited time. And so I'm going to say, I got 30 minutes. What am I going to get done in 30 minutes? Or I'm going to write this song and a draft of it in 10, 20 minutes just to get something out. Now I got something I can work with. And I may end up replacing the whole thing. But part of it is just getting that pen moving. There you go. Hopefully that helps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We got one more. Who's got a question? Anybody? We can just take two if we want. Bueller. Everybody's afraid to be Bueller. on the podcast and be live. Bueller. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll take this time to say uh, once again, thank you to the sponsors, uh, Rode Microphones. Uh, give them a big round of applause. I know a lot of you uh, benefited directly from that amazing sponsor. Killer Australian Mic Company uh, did the background recording tours uh, on the background vocal tours for Kelly Clarkson, Justin Timberlake, and Rihanna. Uh, Teton Guitars, Teton Guitars, excuse me, is, uh, has given away this beautiful, gorgeous guitar that somebody is going to get here shortly. So give them a round of applause. Chelsea tells me these guitars are amazing. I can't wait. I want to play it. Whoever wins it, I just want to play it for a second. Is that cool? Um, and then if you're in Utah, we want to uh, tell you about So Delicious and Booth Brothers Music who helped. And, and of course, once again, Mindy Pack. And, and uh, Chelsea Stallings for putting this together. You guys did a lot of work. Thank you so much. And our, and our co-host, Chris Oglesby from BMG. Thank you, Chris. It's a big deal that you came out here and took the time. You're a very busy man. And Shelby Kennedy, the VP of TuneCore, which is massive digital distribution. Shelby, I learned a lot. Just I, I went and wanted to see Shelby talk. I want to see what he had to say. But uh, listen, guys, this podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.